Hey, hey, this is Johnny's Secret Stash, and this is John Goldman coming to you from Radio Harbor Country, WRHC 106.7 FM out of Three Oaks, Michigan, and WRHZ 93.5 out of Sawyer, Michigan. Johnny's Secret Stash is underwritten by Kara's Cottages, one of downtown Kalamazoo's first Airbnbs. Kara's Cottages are within walking distance of local shops, breweries, and some of Michigan's most beautiful walking trails. Additional information at karascottages.com. That's Kara's and Cottages with a K. We have with us today Scott Hildebrand. Scott is a singer-songwriter. He actually uh, won the Singer-Songwriter Contest at the Acorn Theater in 2021, and uh, he played at the Singer-Songwriter event of 2022, which was just last week. And uh, he and Lila of the the duo Scott and Lila are going to be playing at the Acorn Theater this Friday, July 29th, along with uh, Emma Hamill, who also um, was uh, in the singer-songwriter competition from prior years. I'm going to start us out with uh, Scott's song called Simple. Uh, just came out in 2021, and uh, this give you an idea of uh, of uh, his talents. Here he goes. Maybe 
it's just plain the way we try to live, the way we play the game. Well, I know one thing, one thing that's true. It all comes back to you. It all comes back to you. No matter what you do. Wow, that was Scott Hildebrand uh, of Scott and Lila, and that that song is attributed to Scott and Lila. Um, it's a single that just came out called "Simple," and uh, like I said, Scott and Lila are playing at the Acorn Theater on uh, Friday, July twenty ninth, uh, and uh, we're going to talk to them real soon. And I'm here with Scott Hildebrand. Scott, how are you? And thank you for coming on the show. Great. Thanks for having me. All right. So you, I, I believe you're, you're living now in Berlin, right? Berlin, Germany. Yes. Okay. Yes, I am. Yes. But you're, you're in Chicago now or in the Midwest at least. Yes. I'm at my parents' house and my, my childhood home in Elmhurst, Illinois. All right. There you go. That brings yeah. you back down to earth, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. I love it. I know when, uh, whenever I'm with my parents, even though, uh, I'm as old as I am. I still feel like I'm 15 years old, you know, like you're oh, in their house, fast. their rules, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, uh, and home cooked food. <laughs> oh, well, then that's the that's the major plus side for sure. Yeah. And I'm sure it's really nice to be home, especially, you know, living in uh in Berlin and and how how often do you get to the states? I try to come once a year, so usually, yeah, once a year for at least a few weeks. And I'm also really lucky because my family loves to travel, so I see them many oh, times. Oh, that's great! Year. Like they come to visit in Berlin, and last year we met in Portugal, and like yeah, so it's really lucky that they're kind of adventurers, you know. Oh, that's great! Well, let's. Uh, I want to kind of back it up and and uh, let the audience get a better sense of you know who you are and stuff. Uh, so yeah. you won the uh, uh, Acorn Theater Singer Songwriter Competition in 2021. Uh, yes. Right. Okay. So, how did you even find out about the competition? Yeah. Well, so I was actually visiting my hometown again last year, and and it was the same the same time. And um, my mom actually was like, "Hey, you should she should sign up for this." And I was like, "Oh, I don't know. I don't really do like singer songwriter competitions. I've I've never done one." And um, and then she's like, "No, it's a really cool place." And I I hadn't heard of the Acorn before this, but our um, my sister's husband's family, they, they live up there. So I don't know if you know David Deli. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Joe Lindsay and Emma. Yeah. So, they, so that's my brother. I guess that would be my, would they be my brother in law Was it or, your sister it, and her husband? No, no. So it's oh. my, my sister's husband's brother and Your and sister's wife. husband's brother. Okay. Gotcha. Sometimes. Yeah. That's still a brother-in-law. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they're so sweet. And so, so we would go up there and, and that's how we know the area. And that's, um, 
how they, they I think my parents have seen a few shows at the Acorn as well and Ah. Yeah, so she told me to sign up for it, and I'm so happy I did. Yeah, so uh, that's great. And you already knew you were going to be in town at that time, so you um, submitted an entry, and they chose you for the finals, and and there, and then you uh, won the whole thing. That's that's awesome. And last yeah. year was uh, still, I think, sort of pandemic time for the Acorn, and so um, did they have it outside at that time? It was indoor, but it was it was also live streamed, but it was it was indoor. Ah, okay, and. I was actually supposed to play with my partner, Lila. So we we submitted our application together as a duo because yeah. we're a duo. And also she was coming to the U.S. for the first time. But unfortunately, right before we flew, we found out that they were they, the U.S. still wasn't accepting people from Europe because of the corona oh, regulations. right, right. So that was a shock. So she were like, oh, no. So she there was no way she could come into the U.S. So she still hasn't come. Oh, boy. <laughs> coming today, actually, but... Right. Oh, that's right. Because you guys are going to play on Friday, so um, yeah. she's she's in coming into town now, and yeah. and uh, so uh, you and Lila are partners. And is she German or European? Yeah, it's, it, her name's pronounced Lila. It looks like oh, Lila. I'm sorry. Anyway. Yeah. No, no worries. She's used to it too. But um, <laughs> yes, yeah, so it's Lila, which which um, she's born in France. Her dad's French. She's born in uh, Paris, and then when she was seven. They moved to Berlin, and her mom's from Berlin, so they're she's I half see. French, half German, and grew up speaking both at home. Oh yeah, I think that's pretty common in Europe. Uh, a lot of people speak multiple languages, and uh, yeah, so they and so she probably speaks English as well. Totally, yeah, yeah. yeah so totally she speaks perfect. three languages. It sounds like. Yeah, and did she you native in all of them? So did great. you and Leela meet? Uh, playing like uh, you know yeah yeah so how did you guys meet so I was well I'll I'll back up a little bit about I got to Berlin because I was first I was traveling for almost seven years six years playing music in different countries and I kept hearing from many people they're like you have to go to Berlin it's this amazing art scene and there's a big great you know art and music scene there and I, I just kept hearing that and then there was an opportunity. I was in Europe for the first time, and I was like, oh, I'm going to check out Berlin. And so I went there. I knew one friend that, that lived there, and I stayed with her for a few weeks and was just going to, you know, just as a short visit. But I had my amplifier, my, my busking amp, and my guitar, and I, I just <laughs> right from the first few days, I was, like I do in every country, I just started playing in the streets and meeting musicians and learning about the kind of scene there. And it was so nice. And then within a few weeks, I, I was uh, busking, playing music in the street at um, – place called Vashuastrasse, which is like kind of the main party club district of Berlin. Uh-huh. And I was playing there at like past midnight and there's a bunch of, you know, drunken people singing and dancing along. And, and then um, I heard someone's voice like far, kind of far in the back of the crowd. And I was like, Who, whose voice is it? like an amazing female harmonizing voice? And I was like, wow, that's incredible. And I see Lila just by herself, like way in the back singing along. I think I was singing um, Bob Marley song or something at the time. And I kind of just motioned for like with my head for her to come and join me on the mic. And she came up and um, we sang together for like two hours. Didn't know each other. Didn't know each other's names. Just played a bunch of songs, mostly covers. And also she was harmonizing with original songs. Like she's just like super amazing, natural singer that can just harmonize. She was already um, singing with a jazz band at the time. And that's how we met. Wow. I have like goosebumps. (laughs) That's just beautiful. What a... What a great origin story for the two of you. That's great. It's unbelievable. And and you guys have um, put out a couple of different songs over the years, and 
Um, yeah. Uh, the, the latest song I think is called Simple, right? That that came yes. out most recently. Yes. Well, we just heard that actually. I just played it, so <laughs> it was it was really a cool song. It, it, is that a sitar that's being played or is it? Oh yeah. It is. Uh, That would have been a hell of a guitar um, attempt. That's great. I've always wanted to collaborate with Indian classical music pretty much after the Beatles. When I would, I think I was first introduced to this kind of music from uh, Sergeant Peppers or one of Yeah. And and then I got into like Ravi Shankar and a bunch of different like um, Indian classical musicians. Uh And I was traveling in India a few times and I went to this um, all night concert at this, it's called the International Music Ashram in Varanasi, and it was like mind-blowing musicians, just unbelievable the tone and the feeling of this, these musicians. And so I just kind of asked them after the show, I was like, "Hey, can we jam?" And I felt like sheepish because they're like the top, they're like top musicians, and it, it was incredible that we could even. It was like they going had... up to you know like yeah, some like someone huge, huge in in the U.S. And um, they were so sweet, and that so I met them the next day, and we like jammed and they i mean kind of i was just like rocking like a d note while they would like shred it. <laughs> they're, they're amazing indie classical and they're like trying to show me things but anyway long story short we kept in touch and then uh we recorded simple and i was like oh this would be great to send to shyam like this could be the song because shyam is the sitar player uh-huh. and so we sent the track to him in india in varanasi and he he uh went to a studio and recorded like six takes over it and then sent it back to us and he said it was okay that we like kind of chop what he played so we just like took out took our favorite parts of from the six tracks and had it as like the intro and then he had the intro and then the essence of what he does but he's unbelievable the way he plays yeah oh wow what that's unbelievable how exciting that must have been i mean to to be able to get this guy playing on your just to play with you first and then and then to um you know get him to be able to play on your song and uh, what a comment you know such a a nice combination of uh you know uh, american sort of americana music and then yeah. to incorporate the sitar with that just uh makes it such a you know kind of a worldly song it it's really yeah how exciting i was so happy how it turned out too it's one of my favorites because it's when we jammed together it was you know in the beginning it was very difficult to kind of find middle ground because the t- the styles are so different right and they even they thought I was jamming with um, a few of them, uh, this other guy as well, who plays um, tabla, uh, Sandeep. And they were even laughing. They're like, oh, did you invent this harmonica holder? They had never seen like, the, you know, the classic <laughs> the Bob Dylan harmonica uh-huh, holder. Right. That was my impression too. Bob Dylan, he yeah. always had one. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's 60 people. years old. <laughs> yeah. And they couldn't believe that I was like, not, I'm not like super, you know, crazy great at harmonica or guitar. Like I feel like altogether it makes... I'm a musician, but like in in this kind of Indian classical world, like they study their instrument, one instrument their whole life. And it's like so deep. So they, they thought it was like really interesting that I could be, you know, like, oh, I casually play a bunch of instruments. And, you know, it's like they don't have multi-instrumentalists culture. in uh, in India. Sounds like I guess they I guess they do. <laughs> but I guess in this kind of deep classical world, it's so strict that I guess it's I don't know. actually. Right, but they right. were just really surprised. Like they thought it was interesting. And, you know, I mean, that's true in multiple cultures that uh, most people uh, master their instrument and that's what they're playing. You know, yeah. uh, sometimes you have a singer and a, and a guitar player. 
yeah. But uh, you and sometimes you have a guitar player who also plays the keyboards or something like that. But yeah, for the most part, people play their instruments and they kind of stick to them. How did you yeah. learn how to play? Uh, guitar. I started when I was eight years old. All right. Yeah, I'm 31 now, and um, yeah, it was because I, I wanted to play the drums actually originally. My yeah. parents were like, oh, like they're just picturing me banging <laughs> on drums all day. Yeah. They're like, maybe we get you a classical guitar from the neighbor. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm so happy in retrospect. I mean, I, I would also love to be a drummer, but it, it was nice because then, yeah, I started playing guitar and then uh, started singing when I was maybe 16 or 15 and ukulele around the same time and harmonica around that same time. And yeah, just ever since playing when you were growing up, did you learn guitar um, with sheet music and that kind of thing, or were you uh, and, and taking lessons, or were you mostly, you know, just kind of um, figuring it out on your own? And and uh, yes, did... so I I, my, I took from a few different I took lessons from maybe three different teachers throughout my like childhood. But uh-huh. the first the first two I wasn't really grasping. Like I didn't want to learn to read notes and you know, playing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star and Red River Valley, like, bored me. I wanted to learn, yeah. like, you know, like, Blink-182 and Green Day and this kind of stuff. So I switched teachers, and then I, I learned that kind of, I was in this kind of music uh, genre, learning this yeah. from a teacher. and But not really seriously. Like, I wasn't super into it. It was more of, like, a hobby, and it was, I loved it for sure, but I wasn't, like, great. I was actually pretty bad for many years. <laughs> and and then I, um, I switched teachers in early high school, I had this teacher in uh, in Villa Park, and he and he's amazing, Joe Durante, and he showed me blues and Eric Clapton and these kind of things. Ah, uh, yeah. And that got me down that rabbit hole of like right blues music, Chicago blues, Delta blues, and improvisation. And so I, I still can't read notes, but I understand a lot of basic music theory of like sure. just what I need for songwriting and for what I need for like jamming and stuff. Yeah. So who were some of your musical instrument uh, uh, musical uh, influences, influences when you yeah. were growing up because it sounds Ooh. like you know you were happy to be playing blues and you know you made a reference yeah. to bob dylan and blink 182 yeah well yeah so in the beginning when i first started was like um you know like 90s like pop punk rock like blink 182 red hot chili peppers and all these kind of uh-huh. Weezer and this kind of stuff and that's pretty and advanced then, for an eight nine year old though i mean you, you it sounds like you were you know into adult music at least yeah, it was kind of, I think all my friends were too, like we were, I was in the skate park a lot and like this is kind of like skater, you know, skateboard <laughs> right. music of the 90s, late 90s. Yeah, yeah. And and then and then um, after, I think Eric Clapton was kind of my intro to like getting into, I like Pink Floyd a lot, the Stones, The Doors, Jimi Hendrix, like kind yeah. of this classic rock era I got really into and um, one of my friends, his dad had this massive CD collection and I got really into 60s and 50s music through him. Like, we had these, like, um, uh-huh. Spirit of the 60s compilation albums, and, like, I loved the 60s pop. Like, it was just my... It was so modern sounding. It still sounds modern. Like, it kind of sounds like... When you say pop, like, you mean, like, that. Mamas and the Papas kind of uh, 60s yeah. music? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, Mamas and the Papas, the Grassroots, um, Love and Spoonful. Oh, like yeah. All these... All these kind of... Um, Fun and, and uh, yeah, just kind of yeah. poppy stuff. Yeah. I hear yeah, that. zombies, and I just love all that. I still love that kind of music. And then the blues, uh, I, got, I got into like, yeah, uh, like B.B. King and Lightning Hopkins and oh, Muddy yeah. Waters and 
Robert Johnson and kind of all the chess records like Etta James and, and Big Mama Thornton and then the soul stuff later. And I, st- I still am like Ray Charles, Aretha Franklin. Like I love all the Motown and the soul and the I feel like it's like just timeless and right. I love it. So how does that, um, you know, what role does that have in your present singing and, you know, playing and, and the writing that you do? Do you uh, reach back to like those kinds of sounds or you're just more yeah. inspired by the, uh, you know, how how they were so sort of innovative in, in what they put together at that time? Yeah, I, th- I think s- song writing. I d- yeah, it's a great question. I don't. I don't really do it consciously. Like I think whatever I've absorbed over the years is like subconsciously you right. know, using these hooks and these things or these ideas. But um, I think l- lyrically, I definitely I love poetry a lot. I love a lot of like so lyrically, I would say I'm more inspired by poetry and that kind of stuff. And then musically, I guess I do even like modern pop. Like I love I love I don't play modern pop, but I love the idea of like these you know, kind of tried and culturally made catchy things that little tricks that have become in, in with, I don't know, cultural music as it is now, you know, I don't really know how to explain it, but there's so many, you know, like songwriting tricks and tips that I've, I've kind of studied by myself or like learned on YouTube and just thought about. It. And I just find that super interesting. And I, I love jazz as well. I'm trying what I'm kind of trying to do now is trying to get a little more sophisticated because I love simple. That's like not, not just the name of the song, but I love <laughs> to make music simply, simply. Yeah, like yeah. I think that I love live, like all my recordings now are just all live in the studio at the same time, no tracking except for like right. little guitar things here and there. Like uh-huh. I love the natural sound and just very simple, not like too much going on. And I, I like, I think maybe that's what I would borrow from the soul era and the blues, like just the kind of essential things that, are there maybe if that's answers the question. Yeah. Yeah. When did you, um, you know, transition from learning how to play and playing other people's songs to creating your own music? Oh, I think I started my first song that I wrote, I think was maybe when I was 12 or 13 or even maybe 11. What what made you think of even uh, writing a song at that point? I think, so I started a band with, with one of my best friends who we actually, it's amazing. We still write. When you were 12? That's awesome. When we were, yeah, we were, we were maybe even early. I think maybe 10 or 11. We were called the aviators and we all wore the aviator sunglasses. All right. And um, we, we thought we were so cool in like middle school and we have all our friends over and we'd like open the garage door dramatically and we'd be like, we had no singer. It was just drums and two guitars, three of us. And the other guitar player's name is Matt Kajak. We actually still co-write together. Every year we see each other. That's and awesome. we wrote we wrote Love is How We Choose together, which is on my last EP and we've written every year we write one song together and it's unbelievable. Like we have this from you know, it's like brothers. We have so yeah. such a long collaboration. But I think that's probably what triggered the first songwriting is that we had a band and we had no singers, so we were like, Let's write something and then in high school, I was in other bands, and I was writing. We were all writing members of the band, another band called The Mocks. And, yeah, so I think that's when it started. It's nice when you have other people that are around, like, also writing, because it's, you know, like, a friend would come up, and he'd be like, oh, I wrote this song. And be like, oh, that's great. Like, I want to try to write a song. Or, you know, you kind of just start to start the craft. Yeah. You know, there's there's all kinds of people out there that teach music, but there's not a lot of 
I mean, I haven't heard of too much where there's people helping you to write songs. You know, it seems yeah. like you're just kind of on your own when it comes to writing a song. You got to understand the structure of how, you know, most songs work or, you know, yeah. most genres of songs work. And uh, there doesn't seem to be any like real, except if you, I guess, if you go to um, like a seminar or if you go on a retreat yeah. or something like that. But, you know, you're you're not going to just go to a music studio and, and uh, most of them don't have some kind of like songwriting course. It's all about yeah. just learning how to play the instrument. So That's so true. Yeah. So people who write songs, it, you know, it just, uh, they got to figure it out for themselves, it seems. It's Did, true. And it's so nice because there's, there's no, there's, it's so endless. Like, I think that. I always think it's inspiring to like people like Bob Marley, for example. I heard that he, I don't know if this is true, but that he couldn't play m many chords. Like he played a few chords only, maybe six or seven. But he wrote these like huge songs that are just like forever in cultural consciousness of humanity around the world. You know, it's like you don't really need to be, of course, it's better the, the more you know on an instrument. But in some ways, it's nice to to separate them in your mind to be like, okay, this is a song rather than, Oh, I'm going to shred this scale, you know, because those are both important, but I think they're very different at the same time. Yeah, yeah. It's so. Um, with I, I didn't I didn't realize that about Bob Marley, but as you say it, like I don't, I think I can, you know, I'm listen, I'm hearing his music in my mind, and there aren't a lot of different uh, notes in the song. You know, they're all yeah. really very basic. Another musician who kind of creates like that, it seems to me, is uh, Neil Young. You know, he's yes. really, his songs are just so intense but basic you know they're, yep. they're very simple so but true. um you know really intense i mean the way he uh, with with not just the the uh guitar playing but with the 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 song itself the lyrics itself and and the way he sings it it just really expands it to a, just a different level so true yeah do you um when you have a, when you're writing a song, do you uh, sit down and say, "Okay, I'm going to write a song," or you know, do you just uh, it just comes to you and you're like, "I got to get that down." Yeah. yeah, so I have like a bunch of different processes. I love the idea of I love also like studying how other people do it. Like I'm always so interested like how Paul McCartney writes a song or like how I love like studying the different ways because there's there's always just endless ways. But I think I have two main ways that I do it. One is I don't understand this, but I love it so much is I dream songs a lot. Like I'll have a song playing almost as like the soundtrack of my dream. Wow. <laughs> sometimes it's like a full song and it's like a really, like it sounds like a song that's even made, but it's not. It's just like somehow in my dream. And I've been, I've learned to try to capture that. So I have thousands and thousands of recordings on my phone, like a voice memos. Just like waking up like, at three in the morning and getting it down in yeah. your voice. <laughs> exactly and and now I'm, i know how to catch it a little better because just like dreams once you start to fully wake up they're gone you know it's like erases right. your brain just right. like erases this extra memory so i like i kind of keep my eyes closed grab from my phone i always keep it really close to my bed push record and it sounds horrible like if you listen to it it's me like <laughs> but sometimes if and i also keep an electric guitar unplugged next to my bed so i don't you know ruin my neighbors and stuff like that but i have so i can quietly figure out notes on the guitar too and i try to just get the little hook ideas that and if i'm sometimes i fall back asleep with it recording so it's like an hour long of me snoring after <laughs> but sometimes i get like rarely i do get a like a full idea where i'm like oh i'm gonna work with this and, and i understand it later 
and I work on that and I continue that. So that happens. And I'm really, I really love when that happens. Cause that's like, who knows where the heck that comes from. But then who knows where that comes from? Uh, yeah. Yeah. But that's, that's one way. And the other way is it does. If I do sit down to write a song, I, I actually do like the challenge. Like I've, I have written a lot of songs where, where either for someone or, or someone's like, write a song about this or like a friend and I are talking about a um, topic and I want to write it. I love, I love the idea of doing that too, because I think the more that you do that, it is a craft. Like, of course it's easy to be like, okay, I'm pushing, you know, if you push too hard, you'll get writer's block and like, you can't expect anything. Yeah. But if you just go at it with like a light mentality of like, eh, maybe nothing will come from this. That doesn't matter. It's not really about what comes from it. Maybe something does, but also I'm always, always like training, you know, it's always like, you know, just cause you run around the block to get some exercise doesn't mean you're like, I have to beat this like time thing or, you know, it's like you kind of think of it and it, I, I, I trick myself into thinking of it in, as like a, a light way where it's like something could come. And if it comes, that's amazing. But that I think is that, a great approach. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that writer block thing is a, is a real thing. You know, it's hard to be creative yeah. when you're trying to be creative and yeah. you just got to let it come. I, you know, you were talking about where these inspirations come from. I um, heard a theory the other day. It sounds kind of crazy, and maybe I'm not even going to yeah. relay it accurately, but essentially, if you think about an idea as being its own entity and that yeah. it comes to you, it captures you, and it comes yeah. through you. Uh, and, you know, maybe there's these ideas that are just kind of floating around. And, you know, because we're these, we're these uh, you know, uh, machines, and these machines yeah. with, you know, all these really un- exceptional tools that, you know, heal ourselves and, you know, yeah. we, we know how to talk and we know how to, uh, we know to eat and, um, you know, but, but these machines last hundreds, you know, a hundred years. And yeah. what we don't know is how the, the mind works, not how the brain works, you know, they're getting yeah. a better idea of how the brain works, but how the mind yeah. works. And so there's this thought that there's this like non physics, uh, uh, there's this element that can't be explained yeah. through physics, you know, consciousness exactly. and things like that. And collective that, consciousness. yeah, yeah. And so, you know, that collective consciousness is, is all around us. It's inside of us. It's, uh, and, and that these ideas are also circulating around this collective consciousness. And, you know, sometimes it comes to you and, and, uh, um, sometimes it doesn't, but you know, I guess the yeah. people that are able to harness that and, and, uh, get it to come to them, uh, on a more regular basis, those are the creative people, <laughs> those are the, yeah. you know, those are the people that, uh, are able to put things together. I also That's have a, so I also, have, my, my partner has a theory that, uh, she says that, um, if you, uh, uh you know, if, if you're a creative person and can't do your creative thing it like causes a blockage and you you need to express yourself you know you need to get that creative juice flowing so i love that so yeah keep it up (laughs) that's the bottom line i think there's so much truth to that too yeah (laughs) well there is i mean if you think about you know how um um, music and art and and how it helps heal people and you know it helps them express themselves and and uh you know especially when you're talking about like um like kids who are abused and things like that they use art therapy and uh that's uh a way to get that that out there 
with, um, yeah. uh, and allowing that, that to flow through. So yeah. anyway, there's a real magic to it. Yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely. Um, so the song simple that, that, uh, I played at the beginning of the hour, you know, where did, uh, where did that come from? What, uh, how did that get put together? That's a good question. Is this some, and, and do you and Leela, um, compose together? Yeah. So simple is one that I wrote separately years ago, actually. And I never finished it. And I was like, I have a few, I always have like a kind of arsenal of songs that I'm like working on or finished, but I haven't recorded yet. Or this is kind of one of those songs. Yeah. So I don't, I don't remember where it could have been a dream song. It could have been, it probably was one of those because it wasn't a song that I like sat down with. So it uh -huh. seems like one of those songs that's so it's like in my dream. I, I have, but I also, I would be lying if I said it was a dream song. I don't remember. Right. But, um, but, but it's just been with within you for all these years. It sounds like yeah, at least a few years. Yeah. So how did but, it but, uh, get put down on uh, on uh, you know how did you get it recorded? How did that all come together? So, yeah, so I was playing in 2019. I was playing it with some friends in Berlin, and uh, we we're just. I have by the way, I could talk for an hour about Berlin, but there's amazing singer songwriters there, like unbelievable, and so we have like a big group of friends that are just all incredible singer songwriters and so when we hang out it's basically just like we're just hanging out and casually all playing each other's songs and hang and just showing each other things and so that was we were just sitting around we made some food and we were, we were just playing each person was kind of playing a song that they wrote and like bringing almost like a yeah like a songwriter circle kind of thing but uh -huh. very in um informal that was less formal. yeah informal and then i was i started playing that one and my friend Nate, he, he's was like, oh, this is great. And he, he make, actually made a verse for it as well. I didn't end up, when I recorded, I didn't record with his verse. But when I play it live, I, I always invite him up. And then he comes and sings his verse. He made up a different verse. And I love his verse too, but I just, for, for the song's sake, I just felt like it was sure. sim it's simple with these three verses. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, so that's how it happened. And then, and then Leela, and I, Leela and I do write a lot together. She writes alone a lot, and I write alone a lot. And then we write together a lot which is really nice because yeah. we kind of have these three different outlets and some things become Scott Hildebrand solo things. Some things become Scott and Leela things and some things become Leela de Spa things. So it's kind of nice to have these three outlets. So there's not so much pressure of like, okay, every song has to be for the band or every song. So the simple is an example of one that I wanted it to be for both of us. So like, and this is just Spotify speaking. Like when we play live, we play sure. all of, Leela's solo songs, my solo songs are together that we wrote. We just play as a band and that's it. But I'm just meaning for like where they, how they are released. So simple, I think is just released. No, it's released under both of our names. So sometimes it, yeah, we do that. Pretty sure it is. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's a song that I wrote, but we sang together and made together in the studio and she helped produce it as well. So she, she and I, and our, our friend Marianne, who does the mixing and mastering, we we helped produce it with uh we all listened to Shyam's recordings together and made decisions together about the you know which which goes in which part of the sitar goes in there so it's co-produced and yeah it's just nice to have this kind of creative atmosphere because you can i think if you have just one project then there's kind of pressure to be like okay everything is going to be in this realm but sometimes it's nice to have things as your own solo things or think or choose, you know, so. Do you record in Berlin? Is that where you guys do your recording primarily? We actually, so the, all the songs we've released so far, except for maybe one, we recorded in Sri Lanka. 
Oh, so really? We were, wow. Yeah, so we were there. We were going to do a, a tour in Asia in um, in 2019. And um, that's when, of course, we stayed there, and we were in Sri Lanka playing gigs, and it was super nice and surfing and stuff, and we were going to go to Korea, South Korea. We had, like, a bunch of shows booked there, and uh, that was, like, March whatever it was, the day that coronavirus was. Like oh yeah. March 15th so, or so of 2020. Yeah. It yeah. Like, yeah. It was like the exact day. It's, and so oh, we, we canceled our flights or they got canceled and we're like, let's just stay here because Sri Lanka was doing so well and it was an Island and they produced a lot of their own food and the whole world was like blowing up. So everyone was like, go home to your home countries. And we were just like, honestly, it feels nice. We're living, we were renting this little house in the jungle from this family that was so sweet, this local family that we're still great friends with. And we just had like a nice life there. So we're like, let's just wait it out, stay here. It's really like natural here, you know, it would, whatever. That's, that was so that's great. It was the greatest decision because <laughs> we stayed there 10 months. Oh man. And what finally brought you home? There. Like what probably, what finally brought you back? It was hard to leave, honestly. And, I, I guess and what did you do with your stuff? In, I mean, you were basically, you know, just traveling with a suitcase at that time. So you still yeah. had your apartments in Berlin or your home in Berlin? No, and... no luckily, oh. no. I was subleasing in Berlin. Berlin is like, a, like most cities. It's so crazy to get a, finally get a place. Yeah. So I was actually subleasing, which was lucky. So all my stuff was stored, I think, at a friend's house at that time. So, yeah, it was. I just had a few few things, and it was stored at a friend's house. And Leela had her family's house that she was staying because her family lives in Berlin. So we, we, we didn't have to, like, pay right. rent or anything. Oh, and we were good. living in Sri Lanka. and. We wrote all these songs, like we wrote mo- all the songs that are released, pretty much. Besides, that was like your big writing time. It sounds like and yeah. recording, and recording. So then, it, yeah. right before we left, there was there was we also met this amazing videographer there just by chance, and he so he's like the son of one of the most famous Turkish musicians. So like every Turkish person pretty much knows this guy. Uh, yeah. Um, Fekret Kiziloak. I'm definitely not saying his name right, but he's like the Bob Dylan of Turkey. Like he's so he's not alive anymore. He's like so influential in, in Turkish music, like a poet and unbelievable songwriter. His son just happened to be staying down the street from us. We didn't know about this Turkish musician, and he was just this really nice guy who's a video, video uh, videographer and filmmaker. And he's like, "Hey, we're all here in between lockdowns. Like they're still lockdowns." He's like, "I want to make some." movies and you guys are musicians let's collaborate and we we're so lucky because he's actually like the best i don't want to say the best one of my favorite videographers i've ever seen like he's unbelievable and he just has this crazy eye like he's just i if, if you get a chance to go on youtube do you see any of the videos on our youtube of like he's been, he's live. the videographer for some of your youtube videos yes not the music video but uh-huh. for all the live one take ones oh. we just had a zoom zoom um h2n like an audio capture which i'm so happy we had two with us and we just did everything live and we actually released naked as we came as as was recorded live with just the zoom in the jungle and the in the video that he made you wouldn't believe it because these videos look so crazy you'd be like no way is that live but they're all totally live and he would just um do one take with his hand and then sometimes we would play it again as close as we could just live and he would take other angles but it was all just him and no tripod just handheld genius. Wow. like his eye is unbelievable that and, sounds um, so cool have yeah. so uh we were talking before about um playing a song during the show is that something you're interested in doing you want to play a song from sri lanka yes i wish yeah, i would love to i wish Lee was here as well because 
a Scott and Lila song sounds much better with Lila. <laughs> yeah, I, I I'm sure. Play, um, but I could do simple, or I could do um, I could do one of my other solo songs. Or what would you prefer? Well, uh, do another song, a different song than simple. Okay, yeah. Maybe I'll do. Maybe I'll do start it over, because that one we wrote in um, next to the surfers in Sri Lanka. But again, this would sound better with Lila. But I'm gonna I'm gonna do. Uh, oh, it's, maybe it's, it's a little teaser for if you come on Friday for, for the Scott and Lila show at the Yeah, That's right. Okay, sounds good. Okay, so here's here's started over, and I'm gonna put the phone down so I won't be able to hear you, but I'll I'll pick it up right after. Okay. Scott, that was great. Did you hear that okay? It, uh, I won't lie, it was a little hard to hear. <laughs> so, oh, sorry. Well, but it, it did come through, and uh, um, but you know, everyone's going to have to just hear you live at the Acorn on Friday. That's yes. all. <laughs> so that was really cool that you were able to uh, you know coordinate with the people at the Acorn and and uh, you know let them know you're going to be in town and. And uh, set it set They're it all so up. Sweet. 
You know, it really is, I got to say, but I'm, I'm a little biased. It, it is uh, such a great crew of people that work there, for sure. It's um, unbelievable. It's so nice that there's this cultural space in this community. Like, it's so important. You know, I got to say, Harbor Country is filled with all kinds of artists, visual artists and musicians. And, um, you know, I don't think anyone really thinks about it that much. I do. But, I mean, it is just filled with all kinds of very artistic people. It, You know, there's just nature everywhere. And there's, you know, a little bit of uh, slower pace. People have time to be creative and be reflective. And and this is such a a beautiful... um, uh, you know, vision to be able to work from, and it's just such a, a wonderful so cool. energy around here too. But I uh, can feel it. The second you get off the exit from from the highway from yeah. Chicago, like the concrete jungle, and then you go like in I, nature, and it's such a special place. Yeah, yeah. I I did that drive back and forth for t- almost twenty years before I came up here full time, and it was oh, a long. You know, it was like you'd get to that exit when you're coming off a of, take the Skyway, and you come off of there. And all of a sudden, it's like all opened up, and it's just this beautiful greenery. And you know, you're still yeah. like in a, uh, you're still on the middle of the highway, but it's um, you really get that that feeling of you know blood pressure just dropping from being yeah. in nature like that. Oh, it's so great! Yeah, I know that exists. Like my friend actually came to the show the other day. Yeah, Acorn, and he's like he's from California. We went to school together, and he had no. He's like this is he didn't believe this at all. Like he's never expected this kind of nature and this beauty and like he just couldn't believe what he was seeing oh i know and it's what 90 minutes or less from downtown chicago i mean it's uh such a great part of the world i can't say enough about it it. (laughs) oh i love it too so uh i i just wanted to um, try to fit this in but when um when you were telling me your story with leela you know what it sounded like? There's a movie called Once. I'm sure you've heard of yes. it or seen it. It's like, that's People your story. That. It's true. Well, you know, two so buskers, you know, ending, getting together <laughs> and, and meeting each other and, and playing spontaneously on the street. That, yes. you know, it's the perfect it's setting. So true. I feel so lucky for that. And yeah, it's, it's so amazing. After that episode, after that one day, like what happened? We're like, Hey, am I going to see tomorrow or how's this going to, you know, what happened? And then, uh, then how did you end up moving to Berlin full time? Yeah. So it's, it was so nice. Like at the time we were, by the way, we are a couple as well. Yeah. Well, um, I, I, that's what I gathered. But in the beginning, we were (laughs) like at that moment, it was just like, both of us were kind of just thinking this is a cool moment and we got each other's contact and that was it we're like oh maybe we can jam sometimes and that was it and then we started meeting and playing music together so it was it was actually really beautiful that it was first music because i think it it kept that part of because also it's it is like an i don't know if this is like too much information but it's it's definitely a (laughs) a balance between relationship work because we're full-time musicians together as well so it's like right an interesting thing of balancing our work life because we're together work i guess anyone can relate who has like a business with their partner right right as well. so that was it was it was almost good better that it was first music and then it became our romantic relationship because we kind of separate those two in in our mind and we're able to of course when we make music and we're singing together it's obvious that we're also partners you know there's so much love involved that's why it's it feels so right to play together you know so of yeah. course it's intertwined but it it is interesting, especially um, just the whole process of everything, you know, figuring out the whole the whole thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. So um, 
you have an EP, and uh, do, do the two of you have an album together, or do you have any full albums? Yes. Oh, you so do. We okay. haven't. We have recorded enough. We have sixteen finished, mastered, mixed songs, and out of, we've released I think nine singles. Or was it three? Yeah, nine singles we released. But um, in because we made the decision to do single by single because of the Spotify era, like it just as an unknown artist, like it, it doesn't make sense to just drop an album out of nowhere. I think. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Kind of following. So we were doing single by single, and we were pretty like diligent with it, but. The, lately, we've we've actually haven't released something for a few months, but we have everything ready. So we're gonna release our next single in September, and we're self we're all self released, self managed, self produced. Right. So that's why everything is kind of at our own pace, which is good and bad. But um, yeah, so we're gonna plan t- to release a full album, hopefully this year. Like we have the material stuff. It's just we want to do it in the biggest way possible. We don't want to just release it and have it get you know, a small, we want to make as big of waves as possible, like just so we can keep growing. And so we're going to try to like work on, you know, promoting it and getting everything ready before we release the album. Is the album going to be um, like a thematic album where the songs all kind of fit together or uh, is it going to be, you know, almost like a greatest hits? Like these are our favorite songs. We're just going to put them all on one album. Yes. I guess more like the greatest hits because it would be so nice to do, like concept album and these things but i think when we made all these songs we didn't even think about like image or writing or like release we were just like organically making these songs and it was nice that we got the chance to play so much like we played a lot of these songs at and gigs and jams and like we they're really played in before and busking before we even recorded them so i think they are just kind of they are what they are and they're very they're very different from one another i think which which i like i think it's it's nice because sometimes you hear artists that you really like and you're like, okay, but every th- song, you know what the next song is going to sound like and you get kind of bored. I think it's nice to have, I hope that we have a similar sound and vibe, but they all are very different. Like even some of those genres, like you have like reggae to jazz to folk to whatever. I don't know. I feel like they're all very different. When you guys play out in Berlin, do you um, play in clubs? Do you play, you know, in theaters? Um, do you still do busking? You know, what, what kind of uh, yeah. shows do you guys do? We do a mix. So th- this year we've gotten a lot of cool festivals. That this is like kind of our uh, really like busy summer like season. We played a lot in Czech Republic and Italy and France uh, and like mostly small festivals. And like people that would go to the festivals wouldn't know our name yet, but uh-huh. we're still like playing at these festivals, which is so nice. And then um, also we play in like small clubs and bars and things in Berlin. But and my favorite is the streets. Honestly, like we we. With the streets in Berlin, especially because there's such a high, there's so many great buskers that it's like people expect when they see buskers, they're not just going to hear Wonderwall and like a cover. So you're going to hear like an artist singing their original songs in Berlin, which is so special because. Yeah. So, yeah. It's a nice, so do you have like a, a busking spot that you've carved out or is there always competition oh, for like good areas to, to get to play? That's, yeah. That's <laughs> another thing I love about, um about Berlin is it doesn't feel like competition. Like there's, kind of an unwritten busker code i would guess to, i would say like i'm actually writing a, bu- a book about busking i've been writing really cool i'm obs- i'm kind of obsessed with it i think it's such an incredible art that needs to stay alive and be regulated actually because i yeah i could talk for hours about this but I, that could be another another time if you'd like interesting but long story short for for berlin it's kind of like and most places there's an unwritten rule of whatever spot even if it's the best spot in the whole city which there are many great ones 
no matter how, if you're there, if there's another person, like if I go to a great spot and there's a busker there, I just say, can I play after you? And that means they have up to an hour. So they can't play more than an hour in one spot, which is great because then if you just max someone, you have to wait as an hour and then you'll have that great spot. Well, that's cool that everyone kind of complies with that too. It's uh, it's almost like going to the workout, you know, like gym and like, hey, almost done with that machine there. (laughs) Exactly. And there's such a supportive environment. Like I've heard in London and LA and New York, like there's just this like, you know, competition with like artists. But I love that when there's there's zero in Berlin, you, you get like, everyone helps each other out. I always, when I can't play a gig, I have a list of artists that I love that I send them. And I like we're always giving each other gigs, and we're always recording on each other's songs. Like I'll, I oh, record for free on a lot of my friends' songs because, you know, it's expensive to have studio musicians all the time. So yeah. when you have this community, it's like it really feels like a community. And that is beautiful. How special. nice! That, that's just terrific that uh, that everyone it's, treats each other like yeah. that. I wonder why it's not like that in other places. You know why there's yeah. that competition? You I know, you mentioned no money too. <laughs> I what? think in Berlin. In Berlin, there's no money. Like Berlin is very because of I, I don't know maybe the history of the wall and the communism past. Like it doesn't feel like a normal city. Like especially in it doesn't. It's of course capitalism is there and everything, but it's like when you play in these clubs and when when you play in the street, it's like the money is not that great in Berlin. But compared to other places, like I've busted in Australia and like made so much more money in different places in London and everything. But the money is not that great. It's more about it. Also, the, the cost of living is still cheap there. Like you can, is that right? you know, oh, wow. rent places and eat food for really, che- relatively speaking, it's very cheap still. So I think that makes this. There's not this like pressure to oh I need to you know get this gig to feed my right. family. Like it's more just like so I think that has to do with it too. Yeah, yeah. And also, also because it's known to be a hub like like Haight Ashbury in the 60s, it's known to be this kind of artistic hub. So you get people from all over the world that are coming there with the same kind of vision. They're like, I want to do my art. Um, I want to be an artist. So there's all these people that are kind of at similar levels. There's people that are really successful there as well. And, but it's, there's this vibe there that has this kind of artistic, everyone knows what's up, you know, like they know, they, they know the feeling of playing on the street or like, you know, not everyone, but in the artist community. So, yeah. yeah. So, so you do some busking still, are you, you still uh, busk Isn't, when you're in, in Berlin? Yeah. And Not then you're much. also playing in um, different venues and things like that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so and right now, and I, I try to as much as possible. Like I love to, but I, the, this year we haven't together. We haven't bust that much. Like you can probably count on our hands how long, how many times we've bust together in Berlin this, this season. Yeah. But um, solo, I did a bit, but it's, it's more of now it's more for fun, which is great. I love it so much and I'll just do it for fun. Like we'll go out with some friends. When I first arrived, I was doing it for like my full living. Right. But now we get a lot of um, like private events and like the real, our real income is like corporate gigs and these kind of things. But then we oh. kind of save our, and then we have a creative side too, which is like the less paid, but more fun gigs and busking and everything. Oh, that's, so that's great. Like kind of you know, I was thinking of, uh, I can think of a couple different, you know, professional musicians that have, you know, quote, made it, uh, you know, Jewel, I think she was somebody yeah. who was busking and, and uh, and then start playing coffee shops and stuff. And then uh, G Love, you know, he was uh, busking oh, yeah. around uh, um, in um, Harvard Square and doing a lot of stuff there. And uh, and then Anders Osborne um, basically like lived on the street and was just busking all around Europe before so he cool. made his way to to New Orleans. So you That's know, there's great. a real it, it's it, it's probably. Uh, helps with the creative process too, you know, yes. just uh, that kind of, um, 
you know, needing to, to do that, to, to get your music out there. I mean, there, yeah. it's, it's kind of thing where, uh, and I don't know, I mean, maybe you've thought about this a lot more than me, but it seems to me that it's the kind of thing where it's people that just have to get their music out. You know, they've created this music or yeah. they just have this desire to play. And so they're not going to wait for being able to play in a venue or at a coffee shop. Yeah. They're, they're just going to, you know, get out to a street corner and just start playing and, and hope that people are listening. So, yeah. and it's, I really think it's such a great way to like perfect your craft because, you know, it's actually scary as hell when you first do it because it's, no one is there to see you. So you, your ego is so harmed because you're at first you're like, you know, at a venue, you have expectations like someone's coming here to see you play, so you're playing, and that's like a kind of agreed upon thing. Yeah. When you're in yeah. the street, like no one is there to see you, so you have to get past that, and then it's even more of a victory when you get people that are enjoying your music and surrounding you or listening to you or even paying you. You know, it's like, uh-huh. and it, it, especially in the day and age when like Spotify is giving you like point zero zero three cents, like for <laughs> someone five dollars or whatever the currency is for playing a song that they like or your so- own song. Uh-huh. That's like a huge thing actually. And I think it's, it's such a great stage for that because you can really work on your, that's, that's where I became a musician is playing in streets in different places. Cause it's, you know, you can play a show and you, you have put so much into like getting ready for the show and then you play the show, but you're not really working on your, like it, it does, but it's much slower. Like if you can play in the street, you can play your song 10 times throughout the day. No one knows. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you can mess it up one time horribly, but then you're like, Oh, I'll change this. Or, oh, I see this works. And like, so you can really perfect it. Do you find yourself, do you find yourself, yeah. uh, you know, trying to gather the audience playing songs that are going to bring people over Yes. So my, my personal, like, there's a lots of different busking spaces, but my favorite is when I have a group of like a, a place that's, that's allowing people to stay and sit. So like not, a, not a busy street corner where people are passing by. Right. I don't like that. Part. I love the almost natural amphitheaters or like some kind of place where you're set up. It looks visually beautiful behind you or something like that. And people want to come just like a show. Like I basically think of it as like an outdoor show, right? Like a red rocks thing, but you know, yeah, yeah. cause you can find these spaces in, in cities and then the, the audience can stay. And then you, I talk to them just like I'm playing a show, like a gig. And then, um, I, I find that that's my favorite because then I can really connect with the people and they can, you know, request songs or I can explain to them what the song means or I can blah, blah, blah. Like I find that's, that's the best for me. Well, I am uh, very excited that you're going to be coming to town and uh, you guys are playing at the Acorn Theater on Friday the 29th yes. and uh, uh, Emma Hamill uh, is opening for She's you guys. Amazing. Is that right? She is. She's yes. terrific. Uh, She's great. Yeah, both of you guys played at uh, the singer-songwriter competition, which was last Thursday. And, uh, you know, she was the winner was, in 2018, I think. Yeah, I think that's right. I, were you the winner in 2021? Or yes, okay, I was the okay. winner of last year's 2021. Yeah, okay. Uh, I think yeah. I remember that. And then you got up on stage and you're like, uh, Leela is supposed to be here, but uh, she wasn't able to make it. Yes, <laughs> and uh, yeah, but that was an awesome night. And I'm really looking forward to uh, your show on Friday. Um, thank you so much. And then, how long are you guys gonna be in uh, the states before you go back? So, we have we have we're gonna do like um. A busking tour, actually, of, of cool. the South and Kentucky. I, I love folk music and, like, you know, I love I love folk traditions around the world and blues and folk. 
and jazz. So I really want to do this because we've had such a busy, busy tour schedule the last few months. We, we, we have nothing booked besides the acorn. And, and we're just going to like, we have, my parents are letting us use the van, which is so lucky. <laughs> and we're going to just drive all throughout the, you know, Appalachian mountain areas and just like get inspired, try to do more of like a writing trip, like write and maybe do some busking. And then um, we're here. So all of August, we'll do that. And then in the first of uh, the early week of September, we're going to fly to South Korea. And then we have a full tour booked there. We have 12 shows there for, throughout 25 days or 26 days we're wow. there. And then from there, at the end of September, we head back to Berlin. That's great. Well, uh, Scott, Scott Hildebrandt, thank you very much for coming on the show. And uh, really looking Thanks. forward to uh, your show at the Acorn Theater on Friday. And safe travels. And uh, again, thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. So nice to talk to you. You too. What a pleasure. That was Scott Hildebrandt. Scott and Leela are going to be playing at the Acorn Theater on Friday, this Friday, the 29th. Uh, and uh, opening with uh, Emma Hamill, playing with them too. Um, I don't have time to close it out with a song, but uh, you've been listening to Johnny Secret Stash at Radio Harbor Country. I'm John Goldman. And we're at uh, WRHC 106.7 FM out of Three Oaks, Michigan, and WRHZ 93.5 out of Sawyer, Michigan. And Johnny Secret Stash is underwritten by Karis Cottages, one of downtown Kalamazoo's first Airbnbs. Karis Cottages are within walking distance of local shops, breweries, and some of Michigan's most beautiful walking trails. Additional information at karascottages.com. That's Karis and Cottages with a K. Good night, everybody.